does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. Two o'clock hour in Indianapolis. For that matter, it's two o'clock everywhere in the Eastern Time Zone. My name is Jake Query, Eddie Garrison, Jimmy Cook here as well on Query and Company on 93.5-1075 The Fan. Uh, asking for a critique of the show, somebody said, I talk too much. It's a it's a talk show. I, I don't, I mean, I get that, but like it's, I, am I supposed to tap dance? Yeah. Somebody said I was boring, but they spelled it B-O-I-N-G. <laughs> You're boing? Yes. Isn't that a search engine? <laughs> yes. Bing. Uh, bing. <laughs> uh, bing, that's right. No, what's the one BOI? There's some. You're talking about Boeing? Like the. Yeah, maybe the airplanes, airline, yeah. aircraft. Uh, joining us now, and I'm sure thrilled to be doing so on the hotline, Stephen Holder, of course, from ESPN.com. Stephen, I'm going to get to the first question right out of the box, and that is tomorrow, now we know. Mm-hmm. Colts is a walkthrough, not a practice. Do we read into anything about that at all? No. I'm actually. Uh, be fine listening to conspiracy theories uh, generally, but this is not one where we have to go there. Uh, they've had back-to-back overtime games. They are pretty beat up physically. Uh, you can see it, you know, among some of their better players. In fact, so uh, no, they are taking a step back and uh, giving themselves a little bit of a break uh, for for one particular day. So that that's that's all that is. They'll still have a walkthrough, and that walkthrough while definitely uh, very involved and they'll probably have you know a lot longer of a walkthrough i imagine um they can get a lot done and install a lot of things but those just by policy are are close to the media so that's that's the difference yeah Yeah, i wondered like from a health standpoint um let's begin with that steven you know deforest buckner pitch count yeah, I guess where does that stand? I, you know, there's probably not a whole lot of update yet, right? Because you know everybody was kind of home, you know, trying to get healthy. But Shaq Leonard is the other one. I I know they can say he's healthy and that they just he kind of fell out of rotation there. I, is he truly healthy, Shaq Leonard? So okay, so that's a that one's a little tricky. So he is technically healthy. You know, he there's no limitation on him from a medical perspective. Now. What is happening is his role has changed. And so Gus Bradley, the defensive coordinator, talked about this a little bit earlier. And his point was that, number one, he's playing the weak side linebacker. He always has. But in this particular scheme, and we don't have last year to judge off of because he barely played. So this is really the first full season we're seeing him in this scheme. In this scheme under Gus Bradley, that weak side linebacker role is a little different. And so as, as a result of that, I think sometimes you'll see him maybe not on the field in certain situations where they, where they, you know, depending on the coverage and that kind of thing, they're also just rotating guys. And so they would not have done that before, right? When prior to these, these couple of years of struggles with, with injuries that Shaq Leonard has had, that would not have been the case. I mean, he played every snap that was never in question. Uh, it was a different system, different coordinator, but I still think that his his health and what he has been through has a lot to do with that. Uh, the other thing is, look, they're still waiting for him to to kind of progress to the player he used to be and, and trying to find out whether he can get back to that. 
Gus Bradley today, I thought was really specific whether he meant to be or not. And he said, you know, he, he thought it might be maybe November before they start to see the guy they once knew. So he doesn't, he didn't necessarily expect him to be back yet. He clearly isn't, but is he limited from a medical perspective? No, but he is still progressing, trying to get back to where he was. And it's, it's a long road back, man. There's no question about it. You can see it. He's, he's not the guy he once was. And the question remains, can he be that guy? Colts beat writer for ESPN, Stephen Holder, joins us. Stephen, whenever a player gets paid, I want to clarify this on the front end, I never blame the player. The player earned the money. The, it, the team want to give him that, then so be it. No one's going to turn down money in their occupation, right? So I don't blame Shaq Leonard in this instance. But if he doesn't get back to the player that they want him to be, or if his role is just a... Not a limited role, but a different role that doesn't see him on the field as much as it did when he got paid. Does that in turn make it a tough look or a bad contract for him to be being paid to be the player that he was or being paid to be the player to do a different role? But with the scheme change, he's now making more money than you would like to have a player that's doing the role he's currently doing. Yeah, so it's complicated, right? And it's delicate for sure. But I think the only thing we can say with any certainty at this point is that if he does not return to the player he used to be, then it creates some really uncomfortable questions that have to be discussed at Colts headquarters. And no one wants to have that conversation. I certainly don't want to be involved in it. (laughs) I would get paid a lot more money if that were my problem. So that's good. Um, But anyhow, that would really be a delicate and difficult conversation. And I cannot begin to predict how it would go. But the fact that it would have to be a discussion, I think, is in itself um, a a huge indication that, you know, it's not ideal. It's just not ideal. And so I don't know. We'll have to see. Uh, You know, I will say this. I mean, there was a time, there were a couple maybe a year or so there where with Ryan Kelly, I wondered what his future was. He had been through a lot physically. And, and while he is out right now with a concussion, which, you know, that, that those things happen. That's, that's not an indication that a player is breaking down or anything, but there was a time when I wondered physically, was he going to ever come back to be the player he used to be? And I will say to his credit, he has been pretty good. I would say the last I would say down the stretch last year and then to to the start of this season, I thought Ryan Kelly has looked pretty good. Uh, So this, this concussion has gotten in the way, but I bring him up because, you know, it's not exactly apples to apples with what Shaq Leonard's going through right now, but there, it's a little bit of a precedent, you know, and the Colts now the contracts are not the same. Certainly uh, Shaq Leonard is making a lot more money, but for Ryan Kelly's position, he is on the higher end in terms of, uh, or at least, he was on the higher end contractually on a, an annual basis and they decided to write it out and, and it ended up being the right decision. So, so we'll see. I, I don't think rash decisions are, are good in these situations, but sometimes you have to also have these hard conversations and, and figure out where to go. Stephen, hypothetically speaking, Stephen Holder's our guest from ESPN.com. Hypothetically speaking, if Shaq Leonard you know, if his level of play is around where it is right now, okay, and if the Colts get into a situation where his his reps are limited or even, you know, his his future is uncertain, how would that, if at all, impact 
any sort of relation that may be going on with Jonathan Taylor moving forward of like franchise tag or extension, considering it is the same agent for both players? In any way, shape, or form, does that complicate things from one to the other? You know, I appreciate the question, and I understand the question. I, I would say, though, not as much as you think. I don't think there's really much of a relationship there. In fact, frankly, I think we can flip that around. We can say the, the same agent who represented Shaq Leonard and, and negotiated a historic deal with the Colts is now in a war with the Colts over another player. And so they, they certainly did not have this kind of acrimony with, with Shaq Leonard's contract. You know, they, they worked that out, and the sides uh, seemed to have a great working relationship in getting through that deal. So what I'm saying is if you apply that logic to this, the, to the question you're now asking, I think it goes both ways. You know, you can, you can have a good situation with one player or a bad situation with another that you represent and, and they just be completely different situations. So, um, you know, I, I know lots of agents who have had players and maybe, you know, not ideal circumstances with the Colts over the years. Um, Matt, Matt Gay being one of them, his agent, you know, has had a couple of players over the years that didn't maybe have the greatest experience with the Colts. And, and I'm not saying that he blamed the Colts, the agent, but, but definitely had a lot of questions about, hey, what happened here? You know, uh, this was this was not a good experience for my for my client. And so what happened? Uh, Matt Gay got offered a really good deal and, and worked it out. And his agent was able to negotiate what I believe is the the biggest free agent contract that a kicker has signed. So maybe not exactly the same thing, but I, I think what it says is that you know sometimes this business is business, and and it's not necessarily personal. Stephen. When you look at the offensive line, you know we had Chapel on yesterday, and I think he 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 was less impressed than I. I thought, and I want your your thought on this. You know, I didn't think that we would get to the point only you know fifteen or sixteen games into his career. Well, no, I guess it would be my, more like twenty games into his career, where Bernard Ryman would be one that you're like, man, you got to have him out there because you know he was obviously a learn on the job kind of guy, but he's been solid. But in his absence and just in kind of a reshuffle of the line, I thought they were uh, adequate protecting Anthony Richardson against the Rams. But what's your thought? I would say adequate at best, I think. So I, I wouldn't go crazy with it. I, I do think that they, they definitely struggled at, at left tackle. I, I do think that Quentin Nelson has has taken I think a step in the right direction this year so that's good you want your I said at the beginning of this season this goes for everybody their best players had to play great this year and I don't know that we can assess them yet you know four games in but just the early returns I think you know from a guy like Quentin Nelson it's been very good um, or pretty good so that's good because I, I just didn't think he was nearly as consistent the last couple of years so good to see that Maybe it's it's a health related thing. I don't, I don't know. Perhaps, but anyhow, I do think that uh, missing Raymond at, at left tackle was tough. I mean, you know, when they put <laughs> they put Aaron Donald over there over Blake Freeland, you, you just had to feel for the guy because it's like, <laughs> I mean, come on, it's like 
is that what we're doing? We're gonna we're gonna take advantage of the. Yeah, it's the pretty hard to critique a guy when that's who you're going up against, right? <laughs> right. I mean, hey, listen, there'll be some great tape for him to show his grandkids one day, right? <laughs> so good for him. But I mean, come on, that's just not fair. And and so I just think that's where you really missed him. And and then the other thing to consider is that Anthony Richardson sometimes covers it up to be completely honest. He covers it up and he was under a fair amount of pressure. Now he can do a better job of getting the ball out. That's not news. We, we know that uh, rookies don't process nearly as fast, but, um, but I think he does make them look better at times when maybe the protection isn't ideal because he can escape. I mean, think about it from, from one week to the next, think about uh, week three, with Gardner Minshew against uh, just an unbelievably aggressive front from Baltimore that, by the way, Kyle Hamilton got three sacks on the exact same blitz from the exact same spot, <laughs> and they never stopped it, right? Nor could the quarterback elude it. And then fast forward to this past Sunday with Anthony Richardson, take the two-point conversion uh, play that he just completely pulled out of his rear end where – Aaron Donald is bearing down on him, has his hands on him, and he just kind of does a whoop-de-whoop and gets out of it and <laughs> avoids stumbling and throws a two-pointer to, uh, to Zach Moss. Just an unbelievable uh, Houdini play. And so that's going to help your offensive line is what I'm saying. But I think it all works together. It all works together. The defensive linemen in this league are too good to have a statue in the pocket. And then on the other hand, uh, you know, these these – quarterbacks have to do their part to help the offensive line just because it's just they're just too much these matchups are just too tough for them a lot of times espn steven holder is our guest kind of to build off that steven you touched on a lot of points that were going to be my next question especially when it comes to anthony richardson i want you to tell me if i'm wrong on this or not and if i am right how you see it on your front which is to say if the 2022 Colts play that game and go down 20 to nothing, people can go to the exit safely knowing that that game's done. I yeah. feel like at least from, like you mentioned, Anthony Richardson covering things up, but also the direction of the team under Shane Steichen in a second year underneath Gus Bradley. I know there's no moral victories in this league, but it felt like I was happy to see some fight out of this group, something we would not have seen a year ago. How much of that is Richardson? How much of that is Steichen? And do you agree with that sentiment? A hundred percent. It's it's Anthony Richardson in large part. I mean, the, first of all, the the pairing of Steichen and Richardson. I don't think you can look at them individually. They are a package deal, and they were always going to be a package deal. I don't mean when they hired Steichen, but I'm just saying when they got into when they started really getting deep into into the quarterback study before the draft. That was always part of the the decision process was pairing those two. And, and the type of offense that Shane Steichen could engineer around a quarterback like that. So they're a package deal in my mind, right? I don't look at them individually. I don't look at Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid like on separate planets. Like right. they're, they're a package deal, right? And I think that's what you have here. Obviously much less uh, accomplished, not comparing. I'm just giving you an example. Trevor so, Lawrence anyhow. and Doug Peterson, right. The list goes yeah. on. You think about the quarterback and the coach Absolutely. connected together. Yeah. Yeah, and I think there's that matters so much in the NFL, so much. So anyway, I, I just think Anthony Richardson's not only his his physical abilities, but I think it's also his. There's a little bit of swagger to him, 
And, and it's not that he's in there talking trash. I don't mean that. I mean that he just he just kind of plays in this way. Like I got it. He looks like a guy who's out there and he's like, I got it. Okay, it, I'm under. It's all under control. <laughs> you know. And I I watch so many young quarterbacks in this league just look like they just look like a chicken with their heads cut off completely un- out of control, deer in the headlights. I never, ever, ever see that from Anthony Richardson. That is what this kid has that you cannot quantify. Let me tell you, I've seen a lot of quarterbacks. I cover the Colts, right? That goes without saying. <laughs> but let me tell you something. I'm telling you, I, I don't want to be over the top. This kid, the ceiling is, we cannot even imagine the ceiling for this kid right now. I'll tell you, maybe I shouldn't, publicize this conversation but to hell with it i'll give you a little something um chris ballard and i had a quick you know text chat monday morning and one of the things he said to me was he said you know i am usually a basket case after losses and i can attest to that because i've sat in the press box with him during a loss and the man is insufferable okay (laughs) so i can i can verify that he told me he said you know I'm usually terrible after losses and I'm just so angry. He says, you know, this one feels different. He says, they think they have something. They really think they have something in this kid. And the way he brought them back in that game, there were a, there's a lot to nitpick, okay, a lot, including with Richardson. But they got a guy. They feel like they have a guy and, and there is belief like I have never seen since Andrew Luck walked out the door. And, Stephen, what's interesting to me, and I guess – so let me ask you, because I don't know that we know this answer, but maybe you do. We don't know what the ceiling is for Anthony Richardson. We assume that it is very high. But have we seen enough body of work to know that it is not going to be one that ends up on the floor either? Has he has he already right. broken through the point of no return in terms of, yes, in fact, we can emphatically say he can play? I think that you can rest pretty, pretty certain – uh, that he is going to progress much more. And, and the reason for that is because I think you see the progression even from quarter to quarter. You see him maybe not make a throw in the first quarter that he should have made, and then in the third quarter, fourth quarter, he's making that throw, and he's beating that coverage. And so his acumen has been completely underplayed in, in the pre-draft process. And I, I think part of the, the problem with scouting Anthony Richardson is the body of work was small. That's not anybody's fault, but, you know, you have these, these 13 college games, <clears throat> excuse me, and there's so much that there's so much of it that kind of demonstrates how raw he was. So I understand why it was difficult and why the opinions were so all over the map. You know, so it's not like, oh, we were smarter than you. You can no people. Everybody was everybody had a point. You know what I'm saying? Like there was nobody who was saying good or negative things about him that was necessarily wrong. It was all true. It was just kind of trying to make sense of it. If that if that helps at all. So what I think we have learned is that now, you know, with a little more time on task and he doesn't have to go to class. He's not in college anymore. And he has. I think really delved into this. That's the big thing. He has dedicated himself in a way that has just completely floored his teammates and his coaches. So that's what's helping him progress the way he is. And and when a guy is willing to do that, and then you couple that with the physical abilities that Anthony Richardson possesses, then you have the potential for 
who knows what. And that's why I think you'll see him at least get closer to what his ceiling is, wherever it may be. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Stephen, we have a fictional genie, as opposed to a real one, uh, on this show that we've named Robin, <laughs> right? So, so Robin the genie stops you in the middle of the street and says, Stephen Holder, right? And you say, yeah. And he says, I'm Robin the genie from Quarrying Company. You say, oh, great. And he says, as a genie, I have the ability to, of course, give you a million dollars if you get the following correct, okay? Robin the genie is able to look into the future, and he sees the headline from a game two years from now. And the headline says, Colts win as Anthony Richardson throws game-winning touchdown to his favorite tight end target. Hmm. That player is who? Ooh, this is hard. I'm gonna say, <laughs> I'm not. You know what? I'm not so sure it's not Drew Ogletree. Bingo. That's who I think it is. Honestly, let me tell you something. Last year in training camp, now I get crap every year because we watch camp and we say, "Hey, player X looks really good," and then we get to the regular season and he's complete trash. <laughs> <laughs> and and we get we get killed for this right in in local media, but we weren't wrong. If a guy looked good in training camp, I'm just telling you what I saw. It's not a prediction. Anyway, I remember last year Drew Ogletree he tore his ACL maybe a couple weeks in the training camp. But for whatever it's worth, those two weeks that kid was on the field, he was tremendous to the point where someone in the front office told me he's our best tight end. Period. Did you hear me? Like six round pick. Two weeks into training camp, they said, well, at least based on what they had seen, he's our best tight end. And so he, he tears his ACL. It's very easy to get forgotten in the NFL. He tears his ACL. He's a six-round pick. No one knows who he is anyway. People don't even know he's gone. He comes back this year. And remember, that, that rehab process you know, can, can kind of carry over into the offseason. So really, training camp was really where he really got going for the first time and here he is already just completely unflappable and playing uh in really huge situations uh their tight ends in general though i will say they are i think their their go-to position right now i mean obviously michael Pittman is going to get the lion's share of the targets but but that tight end position that's where you get your matchup problems and your mismatches and and they have they have quite a few options and and this is without jelani woods even on the field so I, I really thought that position had to come through because they had invested some resources there, and and I thought they would go heavier at that position on their final roster, and they did. And and so far, it looks to be a good decision. Um, they're all young, and so they're they're going to grow more. But um, I think Anthony Richardson has figured out that that is a position that he can really tap into. In that game, two years from now, when you're looking at that box score with the Ogletree game-winning touchdown, who's the leading rusher for the Colts in that game? Ooh, this is even harder. <laughs> so, two years from now, hmm. Well, I, I think, I think the odds are that it's that it's Jonathan Taylor. However, however, that's just because he's here. He has value to the team, and there at least is some chance that he could be retained. That does not mean that I'm predicting he's going to be here two years from now, because I certainly am not. 
All I'm saying is there's a scenario where he's here two years from now, and we know it's we know Jonathan Taylor, so it makes sense. And do you believe, do Stephen, have... that has has Jonathan Taylor changed or softened his stance at all? Um, from you know when when we had you on when I was doing the morning show after the yeah. the infamous bus conversation, you know you had said that that was a a pretty emphatic one apparently from Taylor. Has he? Do you believe softened that at all? Uh. That is tough to tell. I don't know if softened is the right word. I would say circumstances have changed. I don't know if Jonathan Taylor's opinion has changed, but circumstances, and I mean the, the circumstances beyond his control, meaning we're, we're into the season now. Uh, the, the trade market is tough when you, when you get to this point. And, and I think the fact that he is looking for a contract extension at this time of year, I think that is complicated too. You know, so I don't know. I, I just think I think he's smart enough to understand that. I would say everyone in the building has told me that that he's in a good place in terms of his relationship with the team. I mean, that's their version. I want to hear Jonathan Taylor say it, and hopefully, we get to talk to him soon. But uh, but but there there at least is some sense that that the situation has mellowed a little bit because I was getting no such indication up until lately. Zero. So I, I have to take that to mean something. want to share with uh, you, Stephen, this question from a listener. Can you ask Stephen Holder, please, why Grover Stewart and DeForest Buckner were not on the field at the same time seemingly at any point against the Rams? Do we think that changes this week facing Derrick Henry? So that's actually a good question. First of all, the, the first answer is that that DeForest Buckner was severely limited. Like I think anybody else, they probably would not have played, and and frankly, he, he didn't play very much. So that's the first thing. The second thing is the way they rotated the other defensive linemen. In fact, my colleagues and I were talking about this. Some of the other local reporters, uh, there was some interesting decisions in how they rotated those guys. So I think that's what they have to look at. You know, I, I just really agree. I, first of all, great observation. And second of all, I just think it's not necessarily whether they have the right guys. It's, it's also, that's, that is one question, but it's also how they use them. So I would definitely look at that and, and try to figure that out. They, they would also, in some cases, use Dio Adengbo in there, but he was playing a little more defensive end. So I, it's, the way they rotated the guys in, and in what combinations I thought was maybe not the best. So that that would be my answer. I think that's a, an astute question and observation. Steven, you remember back during the Shaquille O'Neal era where he would always be criticized for not being in shape during training camp and during the regular season, and then he would be fit. I covered Shaq. Sure. Okay, yeah, so so you remember it well then. I So I said this – okay, just real quick. I said sure. to Shaq one day, um, well, this is in his Miami days, and him and – he hated Stan Van Gundy. I think got him fired, frankly. But he hated Stan Van Gundy because Stan was just completely inflexible when it came to playing defense. He's like, you either play defense or you don't play for me. <laughs> Which Zach was like, ha, 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 ha. Anyhow, continue. Is there any indication with John and Taylor, and I guess we'll outline him playing this week, mm-hmm. would the thought be he's not physically fit? I would argue it looks like he's – kept himself in relatively nice shape all things considered with the ankle but is the thought that he wouldn't be fit to play or is the thought that from a scheme standpoint he wouldn't be ready to play if everything is fine if the hatchet has been temporarily buried 
if he's on track to play at some point this season? Is the reason he wouldn't play this week in your mind because he's not physically fit or because he's not schematically fit? Yeah, I think it will be the former and not the latter in terms of, you know, just where he's at physically. Now, everyone has told me that, that physically he's in pretty good shape. Now, there is a different question or, or a different standard when we're talking about being in shape versus playing an NFL football game. So he hasn't taken a hit since December. So I don't know what that means for him. That, there could be positive and negative to that. You, I think your body has to, has to acclimate itself to getting hit things like that, and that tends to happen in practice. But you're also not, you know, going out there and, and taking guys' heads off in practice, you know. So I, I do think that's what training camp's for, you know. But anyhow, I, I still think uh, from a it, – it's more about his physical rather than the the scheme or the mental. And Jim Bob Cooper, the offensive coordinator, was asked about that just a little while ago, in fact, when we had our weekly interview with him, and he, he, he felt like – Jonathan Taylor having been in the league and been being a veteran and and being around the team, frankly, since since July. It's not like he wasn't in training camp and wasn't in meetings or anything. He was there. So he understands and it is a new offense and there is some work to be done there. But I still think he could get involved, at least on a limited level, um, on, a, on a limited basis, I should say, even if he's not completely up to speed on everything and hasn't mastered everything. Okay, last one from me, Stephen. Is Tennessee any good? I would like to know that too. I, my I think the Colts no. would like to know that, right? Yeah, my sense is I is is probably not very good. But here's the thing: they still have enough players and and still have enough personnel on that defense to make your life really miserable. And and then Derrick Henry, you know, I I don't think his tank is empty either. So they're one of those teams that. They're well coached. They have enough personnel to to make it hard on you. And so even when they're bad, they still are a handful. You know, it doesn't matter what their record is. You know what kind of game you're going to get. And they rarely disappoint when it comes to at least that. Stephen Holder, ESPN dit, ESPN.com, easy for me to say, where you can read his work. Stephen, appreciate it. Uh, as always, look forward to talking to you next week. All right. All right. You got it.